Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. Um, have my guest on who was on probably like a year ago and so i thought it'd be really important to have ashley back on for several reasons uh so ashley mishke who's i believe the ceo of true north retirement advisors welcome back ashley thanks for having me dan it's good to be back and good to see you again i know not in person but we'll get there (laughs) someday (laughs) So we were chatting before we started recording and, you know, which way we really want to go with this. And I think a great place to start, uh, what you mentioned is business continuity through all this, you know, and, and, you know, plans not only for, um, you know, what's something happens to, 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 we, we, we were kind of talking about how we don't, we kind of think we're going to live forever or, or things like that. So just, you know, taking that approach and it is, it's, it's hard to think about these kind of things, but obviously the past year, it's been more important, especially for maybe a family owned business, but also for, you know, folks that are working in a corporation or, uh, you know, leader within there. So I guess we'd love to start with that. And how have you been helping clients, um, business continuity planning through all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we work with a new client, very rarely will any clients that I have, whether they're a you know, small mom and pop type business or a large, larger business, very rarely are instructions in place that say, okay, what happens to the business if something happens to you? If you die or you become incapacitated, um, what are those instructions and and who should be doing what? So a good example is, is um, you know, let's say that you, you're the primary kind of uh, growth engine in the business as far as you have all the customer client relationships. Well, if you die or become incapacitated, who, who, how do you want those clients or customers of yours to be informed? Like, should they get a letter? Should they get a phone call? So, mm. so should someone just send them a text message and say, hey, go find another, uh, you know, uh, Dan's kicked the bucket. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Probably don't want that happening. Yeah. Right. So the business continuity instructions, um, it, it has a few key elements to it. Um, and it's very different than like, you know, what happens to the business in a natural disaster. So it would list the trusted advisors. And the goal here is to kind of get all of the everything that lives up in your head out of your head and down onto paper. Mm. So um, 
it's somewhere, and it's also not a legal document. So the the nice thing about this is that you can kind of sketch out this guide, um, and you you don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't have to hire you know an attorney to do it for you. But it includes it does include your uh, attorney on there. So you want to be able to communicate whether that's to your spouse or your sort of next in line, whoever is going to take over for you in your position. Mm-hmm. Who who are those key trusted advisors? It might be a CPA. It could be attorney. If you're doing payroll, you want to make sure that your employees continue to get paid. Right. Um, and so who, a lot of times the other employees in the business, they don't even know where, the, you know, which bank the bank accounts are held or who the payroll provider. Well, they probably do know that because they see it on their check, but like they don't know who those key contacts are. And so you want to you want to list out all of those trusted advisors and working a lot with small business owners. This is even more important um, for small business owners, because typically what ends up happening is you have like a, maybe an operations person or a finance person who kind of comes in and takes over. But a lot of times your spouse may also be getting involved in, in the days and weeks after something happens to you. And they're usually completely you know a mess because right. of, of what's happened. And so by giving them these instructions, you can bring order to what otherwise would be and still is a very chaotic time if something happens to you. And that's, I think that's a good way to put it because you said you kind of pointed out it's not necessarily a legal document, but, you know, it is something it's like a guy that helps the transition of, uh, you know, I'm thinking of my, myself, I have a small business and then like, I grew up in a household. My dad had a small business. He was a sole proprietor. And if something happened, it's just, I mean, this would be a nightmare. I have nothing written down. They don't know how to get into my email or my bank right. accounts. It's like, you're freaking me out. But it's, it's also something that is, is probably highly, highly neglected. And, um, you know, I'm glad you're bringing awareness to it. So, I mean, have you been working with a lot of, are people open to this? Because again, it's, it is a weird concept to get around because some people might just be like, oh, when I'm gone, I'm gone. You know, it's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think, um, you know, a lot of my clients being small business owners, a lot of whom are also married, um, they know that if something happens to them before they complete their exit and before they, you know, sell their business or transfer it, yeah. it's going to be very damaging to the to the value of the business. And uh, mm. a lot of times there's not, you, you can't get around that completely, but you can minimize the damage um, by you know, creating these instructions and kind of keeping everything afloat. So another important thing to include that we always include in the business continuity instructions is who are some, uh, who's your short list of potential buyers? So you might go to, uh, you know, a conference every year, maybe, maybe you're, you own your own, you know, a, a electrician or a plumbing right. company. Well, you go to these other conferences and you talk to other people and you, maybe there's this person who's like a friendly competitor and who has casually mentioned to you that, hey, Dan, if you're ever interested in selling your business, let me know mm-hmm. because I want to buy it. Well, unless we're in thinking about that and sort of in that mindset of wanting to exit and sell our business, we kind of just dismiss it, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, sure. But it's very important that you kind of make a note of that, write that down. And that would be something that you would include in the business continuity instructions because, you know, the uh, these other, th- that's a relationship 
based thing, right? Someone's you're not going to tell your employees that you're thinking about selling to this, yeah. you know, entity, but you want to make a note of that so that you can go to that person very soon after the sale. Cause a lot of times, especially with a smaller business, the, the ideal path to exit in, in that unforeseen circumstances is just kind of the quickest sale that we can find. If we mm. can get rid of this business, um, if things don't go according to plan. Now that's not always the case, but usually it's just clean, easy for everybody. If we can just kind of get out and, and sell this business to somebody else. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is such great advice. And, um, during all this, because I, I know you traditionally your firm has done a lot of work for exiting a business and selling a business. How has that market been for small businesses or I guess across all the different sizes of businesses you work with this past year? Is there, is there still activity? Is there more people saying, oh, gosh, I got to get out <laughs> or what, what's that been like? Uh, it's all across the board. So yeah. I've had clients, I have several clients actually who 2020 was their best year ever. Mm. Um, I had other clients who accelerated their exit because they were in the high risk category. Um, and they just couldn't, it was not feasible for them to, they were healthy, they were fine, but it didn't make sense for them to keep going to work every day. And yeah. so, um, it, it's been all over the map. Um, I would say there, if you just look statistically to uh, like middle market businesses. So I, I think those are defined as businesses with uh, $10 million or more in revenue. It's about 25% of middle market businesses. COVID is or will be catastrophic for them. Like they will not recover from this. Mm -hmm. So for the businesses that are financially stable and will come out the other side from this, I think there's tremendous opportunity. Um, you know, maybe maybe you can pick up some of their employees of a business that, uh, you know, has, has, has not has had to lay off people or will right. not recover, or maybe you can buy a business at a, at a lower value. So COVID across the board for a lot of uh, companies, unless you're an Amazon or, yeah. you yeah. know, a big tech company, valuations are a lot lower than say they were a year ago. And so mm -hmm. if you're, if you have the means and the ability to buy a business, uh, you know, now's a, now's a really good time to be able to do that. And there are quite a few people who are just like, you know what, I don't want to put in the effort. Maybe they're already really close to retirement. I don't want to put in the effort of rebuilding after mm -hmm. COVID. And so I just kind of want out. Yeah. So I think that, that if you're, if you're looking for it and you have the financial means or the access to capital to be able to buy a business or even buy inventory or mm -hmm. buy something um, or take on employees and you have the ability to hire a tremendous amount of opportunity for those that survive. And of course it's very sad. I hate talking about it because yeah. it's, you know, you don't want to be like a vulture you yeah. know, trying to pick off what you can of the dead businesses out there. But um, you know, it, that that's the world that we live in. And um, I, I, for the businesses that will survive, it's very, very smart to take advantage of opportunities that exist right now. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, the industries that are getting hit really hard that we all know about, right. You know, um, especially a lot of them that have like a physical space or, uh, you know, in the live entertainment or something like that. So it's, it is heartbreaking. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of business here where I live just, you know, close up and it, it hurts, but 
again, there is opportunity there too. And to have that mindset, I think is, is, is really good insight. And I'm really optimistic about this year. I mean, <laughs> we don't know what's going to be thrown at us tomorrow, but, um, you know, economically and looking at the outlook, uh, what's your kind of thoughts on that? What can you share? And, you know, not crystal ball it, but of course you get a lot of, <laughs> you get a lot of data that we probably don't have, um, access to as, as far as the economy. Yeah. Well, maybe you can see behind me. I have a magic eight ball right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's the true. <laughs> that tells you, let's see, what does it say about the economy this year? Oh, they never work. They never <laughs> right. come up. Um, but yes. So I think across the board this year, more so than probably any other year I've, I've been doing this now since 2007. So I'm going on, you know, for my 14th year and I've, I've, this is the first year where I've seen the consensus just pretty much across the board is things are going to be really good, especially mm-hmm. because all of every single like GDP numbers, company earnings, all of these metrics, they're based on year over year growth. So, you know, we had this absolute just swift and and devastating downturn. You know, you look at the unemployment rate, the GDP, just just all of that fell off of a cliff. And so yeah. when you're doing the comparative numbers like year over year growth rates, it's like, oh, well, you know, they're projecting, I think Goldman Sachs came out the other day and uh, projected 5% GDP growth uh, for 2020, 2021. Mm. Um, and that's the highest that yeah. I that I've seen, um, and and I don't think you'll talk to a single person unless there's some sort of like conspiracy theorist <laughs> who who really honestly believes that 2021 is not going to be a good year for the economy and the stock market. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that actually materializes, of course, we have no idea. Um, and it's you know it, it it's especially shorter term. It's very difficult. Um, to to make predictions, but you can just kind of look at the numbers and see what's the general trend that we're on right now. Um, and things seem to be looking up and, and the economy has been very resilient. The stock market has been incredibly resilient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the S&P 500 was up 20 something percent last year, which Crazy. is if you kind of just line item all of the things that happened in 2020 and said, what do you think the stock market's going to finish at on yeah. December 31st? You know, you people would have laughed at you if you said even if it was going to be in positive territory, let alone, you know, 20 percent up. Yeah. And I mean, that resilience, is it on part? And what's your thoughts on the how much attributed to the stimulus and we're like we're with that? Do you think that was all done correctly as far as by the Treasury and the Fed? And I'm just interested if you think more needs to be done or. I know you don't work for them, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I think a lot of business owners and small businesses might be, you know, again, uh, cautiously optimistic. Some of the things you're throwing, you're saying, but just, you know, in the short term, still a lot of uncertainty. Yes. And I, I think, well, to answer your question, it seems likely that if the Fed had not stepped in like they would, that things would be really, really bad right now. And we would have, you know, entered a depression or 
something because of because of what happened because it was such a deep recession but part of the a big part of the reason why it was so short um, was because they intervened very quickly um, interest rates you know are zero that kind of frees up capital the the financial system and the banking system it didn't have any sort of uh, lockdown or lockup scenarios mm-hmm. and that's that that's what happened in in 2007 and 2008 and so I think I think coming out of that and that being so such a fresh thing that happened, um, I think that the, the people, the powers that be who are making these decisions understood that they did need to act quickly, whereas the last time around, it was more of like a wait and see um, approach mm-hmm. and it was the, much slower. But I mean, they got that money out, the, mm-hmm. they lowered the interest rates, they um you know, there was some issues with like people not getting their unemployment checks and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but by and large, you know, the, the, they, they, they printed a bunch of money and yeah. sent it off. Yeah. And so that kind of brings me to the next thing, which is like, do I think that that's the best thing? Well, I don't know if you, if you Google national debt clock, yeah. I think in the time period that we're having this conversation, the national debt is going to increase by like $25 million and it just keeps going and with no end in sight and long term that poses some problems especially if we're not able to you can kind of grow your way out of a debt problem um, but if you can't then you start looking at you know potential downgrades of U.S. debt higher interest rates because of that higher inflation uh, lower value currency so it has this sort of long-term ripple effect that is concerning because our debt is absolutely massive right but it's not i mean it's not inevitable i mean i think the inflation is a you know big concern but um yeah i don't know we'll we'll have to see i guess but um well i guess where do we kind of go from here as far as you know us as a community because i know you do you work mostly with people locally right yeah, we yeah. do have clients all over the country, but uh, a lot of our clients are local here in Oregon or even just regionally. Like we have a lot of clients on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So how are how are people feeling when we just when you're 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 talking to these small business owners and business owners every day? Um, you know, obviously we can read the news until we're blue in the face, which I do. It's a bad trait of mine. But uh, when you're actually Is it the talk- first thing you do in the morning, Dan? It's so bad. Yes. <laughs> Before I check my email, it's that's my New Year's resolution, Ashley. To, oh, to temper that's down a good on, one. On the doom scrolling and the news. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm not- it's hard, especially with all like the political. I was I was sort of getting sucked into that in September, October, yeah, yeah. and then after the election, it kind of went away. But um, yeah, it's it. That's a great resolution. I love that. And not to go too much to tangent, but it's always kind of like what happened to when politics were just kind of like this almost like nerdy thing, you know, the people that followed it. And now I, here I am, I'm, I know everything about the <laughs> political and it's like, I need to get out of this and just get back to having some healthy hobbies properly. But, uh, well, getting back, uh, to the, the business owners. Yeah. What's, what's kind of their feeling when you're doing the gut check with them and having these conversations. Uh, and again, a lot of these folks are just super resilient and I'm always amazed, uh, uh how folks pivot and things. So yeah. How's that been? I, I've been really amazed too. Um, 
I think most of my clients have been fairly optimistic um, throughout the year. Um, and I have been fortunate where aside from the, that one client that I mentioned earlier who who ex- ended up exiting earlier than he had planned, it, it wasn't catastrophic for him to do that. I mean, he was it, it worked out. It just didn't happen on the timetable he was expecting. Mm-hmm. So I've been fortunate that... Um, with the clients that I work with, that they are they are surviving COVID, both their business and um, you know health wise. Um, so yes, I think uh, and and business owners they tend to be an optimistic group anyways, and and tend to look for opportunities. Um, and so we've just been talking about some of those things. I think the fact that um, when they look at um, you know, if their business is okay, they look at their retirement accounts, their 401k accounts, yeah. you know, we manage assets for the vast majority of our clients mm-hmm. investing that for them. So, um, you know, I'm like, Hey, I didn't, I never would have guessed that this would have happened with the circumstances that were faced, but they're so happy because it's their money is growing. So, um, you know, unless you are working, but it's really challenging because there's this great divide where the people who are thriving and doing well, um, you know, there's a split there, their, their business is growing, their, their assets are continuing. And then, and then there's nothing in between really, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. then there's this other side of the coin where it's like you went out of business or you lost your job or your job is never coming back. Like I read, I forget, I read the other day, it was some article about the, the permanent job losses um, that will happen because of COVID. And you look at even just things like business travel and how yeah. that is likely to be a permanent shift. I, I flew to Boise in December for mm-hmm. to go see a client. Mm-hmm. I came back and I was walking through PDX. It was maybe like 7.30 at night, okay. 10 days before Christmas. There was one security line open. Wow. And nobody in line. That's wild. And I was yeah. like, this is insane. Like yeah. it was a ghost town at the, at the peak holiday travel season. Yeah. And, you know, obviously with the, the fresh restrictions that we had around travel, I wasn't that surprised, but it was just really weird to see that. And, and the, the flight that I was on coming back from Boise, there were 16 people on the flight. I mean, things Crazy. like that, that I think were with zoom and other means people are going to see that oh i'm not i i don't have to travel quite as much yeah. um and and so then that changes this whole industry around business travel that has a trickle down effect through between the airlines and the hotels and even like restaurants in certain areas that cater to business travelers so right. it just has this this ripple effect yeah so we'll see how that shake shakes out obviously that's concerning and and but I'm also really optimistic that it's going to bounce back pretty, pretty strongly. Maybe not this year, but maybe 2022, 2023, but, uh, it will be fundamentally changed. Uh, so, well, actually as we kind of wrap up, uh, you know, getting back to the business continuity, do you have like some resources or checklists? You, you, you maybe I can, I, I'll, I'll share in the, the show notes for that, but I'm sure, do you have something on your, your company site I can point people to? Uh, that's a really good suggestion, Dan. I should put something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still point people there, but I think it's, uh, I think it's really 
uh, a really valuable thing to think about and and as you guide people because just like my own circumstance like i think about it every once in a while I'm like yeah if i get hit by a bus then i guess my wife's gonna just start replying to emails from my phone but um <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's something good to put put in writing and have those conversations well i'll i'll leave your listeners with this so we talked about a couple of things like the list of trusted advisors so there are four key elements to the business continuity instructions and anybody who wants uh you know some one-on-one guidance on putting this together. I'm, I'm happy to schedule a call with any of your listeners who, who want to move forward with this. And, and like I said, it, it doesn't have to be complicated or fancy. Um, it just needs to be written down on paper. Yeah. So list of trusted advisors is one, CPA attorney, et cetera. First contacts and actions. So like who should be contacted first and how, who should fulfill your role, who should inform your employees, the customers, who should take over operations, financial decisions, all these various hats that you might be wearing. So first contacts and actions, and then a list of existing arrangements. So if maybe there's a buy-sell agreement, where is that a copy of that agreement kept? What insurance policies are in place for the business? Where are copies of those? If there are business lines of credit, like, so there are all these different agreements, arrangements, et cetera, policies, where can I find a copy of that? So you'll want to list out what those agreements and arrangements are and where copies can be found. And then lastly, we already talked a little bit about this, but disposition of the business. So mm. how should ownership transfer happen if you become incapacitated or if you die? What is the minimum value that you should expect um, from the business, assuming a discount when something happens to you? So that brings me to another important thing that all business owners will want to do, which is figuring out what their business is worth. Mm. Um, and, and so, but then you'll want to list who those people are that have previously expressed interest in buying your business so that you can facilitate a quick sale. So those are the four key elements of the business continuity instructions. And, and then that provides the guidance and the clarity and the direction for your family, for your your employees, anybody who's stepping into your role during what otherwise is this like chaotic crisis time. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Ashley. I really appreciate you coming back on the, on the show. Thank you, Dan. The PDX executive podcast is a production of that cast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. Thank you.